Welcome to Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast, a podcast intended not just for parents or caregivers, but individuals seeking guidance around challenging behaviors or recurring and negative patterns in your life. Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast aims to have you asking, who am I parenting here, my child or myself? This podcast has a vision of you, the adult, stumbling upon a new relationship with the child you once were. Parenting is no easy task, but it doesn't have to be a burden. We are happy you are here. episode 18 of hashtag parenting who podcast. It's been pretty overwhelming, actually, the response that I've gotten in some of the online forums that I subscribe to with respect to people anxious, excited, uh, looking forward to sharing their expertise and their experiences with me on my podcast. I'm overwhelmed, grateful, and continue to have a lot of fun putting this podcast together, making connections not just with other professionals, guest interviewees, but also with the people, the listeners who are providing different feedback for me. I really appreciate all of you taking the time and letting me know. I Hope to put some more formal processes in place for you all to, and I encourage you all to provide comments. We're just trying to figure out where the best place to do that is. My podcast is actually now available on, I think it's eight different platforms. For example, uh, Google Play Store, uh, the Apple Store, Outcast. Oh, there's, well, of course, Anchor, which is what I use to record the podcast, and a bunch more. I keep getting notifications about where it's available, so uh, looking for, really looking forward to just having the podcast be shared with as many people as possible. Today, I'm really excited and anxious for you all to hear this wonderful talk with Linda Meyer Abdel Sayed. and currently she's residing in Illinois, but she's going to be relocating back to California. She is licensed in both of those states and provides um, therapy via an online practice that she talks a little bit about how she ended up coming up with the concept of smarttalktherapy.com and how it was uh, something that was going to benefit her in terms of her family professional balance. And so it's a really neat thing that she has going there. Linda grew up in Germany and France. After graduating from the American School of Paris in 2004, she moved to the UK and received a Bachelor of Arts in Music and Psychology in 2007. She then moved to California and graduated from Pepperdine University with a Master's in Clinical Psychology in 2009. Since graduating Pepperdine, she has worked with the Los Angeles Department of Mental Health, regional centers, insurance companies, and private paying clients in her practice. In addition to her clinical experience, she has also been an adjunct practicum professor 
at Pepperdine University in their Master's in Clinical Psychology program, guiding and supporting students to make strong clinical decisions as they learn to become therapists themselves. Linda is licensed in both California and Illinois, as I mentioned, and she's been married for eight years and has boy-girl twin toddlers. She enjoys practicing yoga, spending time with friends, and going out to eat. Her areas of expertise include infertility, anxiety, depression, difficulties with life transitions, general parenting skills, twin parenting, couples therapy, and autism spectrum disorder. Linda speaks English, French, German, and Spanish. She also has a niche area or specialty that is based on infertility. And so she talks a little bit about her personal experience, her journey with infertility and how it is that she helps her clients. And then we move into uh, talking about how important it is to have support people in your life. And we kind of break that, that down informally. That actually was um, because I don't have like formal scripts in terms of the interviews that I do with guests. I mean, I have some general ideas what I want to talk about. And I also know sort of what they're coming to me with. But we kind of informally started talking about the importance of support people and how it's really the quality of those people versus the quantity and how important love and support is, especially for something like infertility and the struggles of with infertility because it can be so isolating. And so welcome to Linda and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hi everyone, this is Julie and welcome to episode 18 of Hashtag Parenting Who podcast. And today I have a special guest from Illinois and her name is Linda Meyer Abdel Sayed. And welcome to the show, Linda. It's great to have you. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, to talk to you. I know. And so, Linda, you run an online therapy practice, and your website is smarttalktherapy.com. And we can link that to the listeners in the show notes. But talk to me about uh, what led you to become a therapist, what brought you to this place in your career, and why you chose to do online practice. Tell me a bit about yourself. Great. I would love to. So I, I remember going into therapy kind of as an accident. I remember being a teenager and wanting to be a musician and my dad very clearly telling me musicians don't make a lot of money and I would actually have to also study something that could bring an income. And so I haphazardly chose psychology with very little really information about what it was. And so then went to college. I was, I, I'm born in Germany, raised in France. And I went to college, uh, started studying psychology, ended up loving it so much, ended up loving how it helped me understand other people, helped me kind of navigate my own life. And so then graduated from there, ended up falling in love with an American and then <laughs> um, went to Pepperdine which is in California for a master's in clinical psychology. And so kind of just stumbled through, through it and mm -hmm. really fell in love with the practice, really fell in love with how I could help other people. Mm -hmm. um, and then actually spent about 10 years living in California, in LA, working with a variety of populations as I was uh, gearing up for licensure there. I worked mainly with low-income children and their families 
and with children with autism. And then my husband, who is a doctor, ended up getting a fellowship out here in Chicago to specialize in his practice. And so then we kind of came out to Chicago mm -hmm. and have spent the last year here in Chicago and we'll be moving back to California in July. So for somebody who's kind of used to moving a lot and used to uh, international community, the online practice kind of fell in my lap. It was a really way, really great way to connect mental health and providing mental health support while also moving around and mm -hmm. maintaining a family. Mm -hmm. So the way I actually got into online counseling was I gave birth to my twins in 2016, mm -hmm. thought I was going to be a stay-at-home, realized very quickly that the <laughs> stay-at-home path was not for me, yeah. and started to figure out how can I still maintain a professional life and a career while having children. Mm -hmm. And being married to somebody whose schedule is not at all flexible, the realization mm -hmm. came very quickly that my schedule would have to be flexible, mm -hmm. just so that if the kids are sick or something happens, that I am available. And so the online field really works well with that because mm -hmm. I can really make my own schedule. I can see clients when my twins are at daycare or when they're napping or even in the evening time after they've gone down, I can mm -hmm. still work with clients and support clients all through my online business without having to go to an office, without them having to go to an office. And it just kind of really worked out really well for us. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's really interesting because your story is in terms of trying to intertwine work and family responsibilities and, you know, having that flexibility, it speaks to what our clients are also going through, doesn't it? Yes, 100%. Yeah, the great thing with uh, the way I've set up the online practice is that my sessions are only 30 minutes long mm -hmm. because um, I usually see professionals who see me during their lunch break or might call in during their commute or might call in after dinner mm -hmm. at home. And so it's really geared towards making the service accessible both to me as the clinician, but also more importantly to the clients. Right. And so I'm imagining a 30 minute session. It's the expectation is we make the most of our time. We're sort of hitting the ground running. You're commuting to work and, and you have, you know, maybe this homework that you had discussed with your client. You want to discuss how that went or if it didn't go, how, you know, why that was or more uncovering maybe more goals or things they want to work on. I, I bet it sounds like it would be very succinct, the session itself at 30 minutes. Yeah. yeah, I love it because there's very little small talk. We're not wasting time talking about the weather, talking mm -hmm. about whatever is going on. We're really focusing on what brings the client in. Mm -hmm. And so clients feel a sense of empowerment and a sense of growth and forward movement in every session that we have because it is so goal-oriented and so problem solving oriented, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm actually, I, yeah, I didn't realize the 30 minute, I may have read that on your website, but I'm really intrigued by that because I think that as someone who's been in private practice since 2011, my practice has had to evolve over the years and continues and, and will always have to evolve. But you, you have a really neat thing going here, I think, because when I think about the challenge, I see kids as well as youth 
And when I think about the challenges in terms of pulling them out of school, um, some, you know, maybe this would or wouldn't work for, for situations like that, but I'm thinking more for parents who want to do their, their own work, but the realities of that balance, you know, between kids and getting to a job, uh, it just makes it very, very difficult for them to, uh, to make it to a therapy session. So yeah, good on you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, the great thing with the 30 minutes is that also, you know, we're working with technology and we're working with attention spans. And so looking at a screen for 30 minutes can be a lot of energy consumed by both me and the, and the client. Mm-hmm. So the, the 30 minutes is really as long as we can really go before we start to kind of lose, mm-hmm. lose track of what we're talking about or lose track of attention. Huh. Very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's so true too. Like in all that I read and because I, I do have the ability to do online therapy as well. It's not something that has, I think from my understanding and what you've told me, you're a hundred percent practices, a hundred percent online. Um, that is not the case for me. I, I still maintain an office and I will for some time just because of the population that I serve working with children. It's better to have them in office with me. Yeah. Um, but it definitely sounds like you have a really clear picture of how this works, not just for you, but also in meeting the needs of your client. And I'm impressed. That's pretty fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And, and there was a lot of research that went into it in terms of who to serve and how to serve. Um, okay. the best population. So for example, the because it's still such an up and coming field and still considered experimental in different uh, populations, mm-hmm. I only use it for adults because mm-hmm. uh, the research is still, there's still not enough research in terms of how yeah. this is good for kids or even mm-hmm. for family systems. Mm-hmm. So um, I recently had somebody ask me if I could do it with their six-year-old and I had to say, you know, I'm so sorry, but I don't think this is the most appropriate way to serve a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, a six-year-old really needs that face-to-face, really needs the play, yeah. really needs the touch. There's a lot that happens in therapy with children that you just can't do over a screen. So I exactly. really just yeah. focus my, my, my practice on adults. And mo- the, my adults are all between the ages of like 22 and 40. There aren't really any people mm-hmm. who, are, who are younger than that. And there aren't really that many people older than that. So I'm really mm-hmm. mainly serving the millennial population. Yeah, and it's it is troublesome for some of the older population to figure out the technology. Yes. And yeah, you know, when you're doing a 30-minute session on your commute, you've got to know the technology and otherwise that can be a really frustrating situation that we don't want to create those, you know, for our yeah, clients. Exactly. I agree 100%. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm I'm really happy to hear about how that's working for you and the flexibility for your family and, uh, you know, being able to mobilize yourself and go, you know, where your family needs you to go and still be able to maintain that work-life balance. That's pretty cool. And and it's great because I can see anybody in the states that I am licensed in. So the way it works for online therapy Mm -hmm. is the, the deciding factor is where is the client at the point of service? So as long as I have clients in California or in Illinois, I can provide them with mental health support, which is great. So the majority of my clientele is mm-hmm. actually located in San Francisco, but I'm in Chicago and oh, okay. it's no problem. Yeah. There's no problem with the time zones. Mm-hmm. There's no problem with licensure because it all works out like that. So it's really lovely. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's Thank really you. exciting. Thank you. Good for you. Yeah. And I wanted to uh, switch gears a little bit because something else that it seems you're very passionate about and you've written some, you have some publications on your website um, is infertility and the struggles that families go through when there's difficulty in conceiving. And I wondered if, um, so is that a niche area for you? Is that an area that you consider yourself yes, specialized in? Definitely. It's definitely one of my niches. Um, just like a lot of other parts of my life, I kind of stumbled into the niche, um, like most people do with personal experience. So I am, my twins are a result of IVF. So mm -hmm. I know what it's like from a personal experience to go through trying to conceive uh, spontaneously, which is the word we like to use for fertility rather than naturally, because any child is natural. <laughs> so we like to talk about spontaneous <laughs> conception rather than natural conception. So I know what it's like to yeah. go through that process. I know what it's like to have all those tests those fertility tests done. I know what um, the treatments are like, what the ups are like, what the downs are like, all from personal experience. Um, mm -hmm. And so it really opened up my eyes to this population and to this huge need because mm -hmm. their infertility is an up and coming um, area of our lives, especially in these big cities like LA, San Francisco, Chicago. There's more and more infertility that seems to be hitting. Infertility offices seem to be popping out like daisies. Um, but there's very little mm -hmm. mental health support. There's a lot of medical support, but very little mental health support. So, you know, I really discovered that as a great niche for me and a great place to help out others. It's, it's actually really interesting that you're saying that around there's a lot of medical support, but not a lot of mental health support. And I haven't had a tremendous amount of clients in supporting them through infertility, only because my early career, I focused on children and youth. And it was only when I went back to get my master's degree that I did an internship with adults. I was actually... I, well, my comfort zone really was children and youth. And so I challenged myself with my internship. And uh, so it's only been in the last several years that I've been working with adults. And what's interesting is even in Ontario, Canada, where I'm situated, that seems to be somewhat the case as well, that they're through the IVF and all of the medical interventions and specialties around getting pregnant and all that encompasses that there's there's a lot of medical support but I have had a few clients come to me in because they recognized or because a professional that they worked with was attuned to uh, the fact that some of the process that they'd been going through was so difficult for them that it was you know, maybe depression symptoms were always sort of there, maybe a bit dormant, but through the experience, it sort of exasperated yeah. the symptoms. And, and, I, and, and I think the most yeah. difficult part with infertility is that it is still so isolating. There's so much shame and so much embarrassment related to the diagnosis initially that it's very isolating. So a lot of people don't come forward, don't talk to their friends and family about it because of the shame associated with the diagnosis. And what's happening now more and more is that every time a celebrity comes forward with their infertility struggle, whether it's Chrissy Teigen or some of these other celebrities and talk about uh, IVF and infertility, 
they kind of open up that door a little more for the general population to become a little more honest with their own fertility struggles and to seek out more mental health mm -hmm. support. And so the reason mm -hmm. why I really love doing it with Smart Talk also is that one of the biggest things with infertility is that it's a ton of appointments. I mean, you are at that yes. clinic multiple times a week mm -hmm. while they're trying to stimulate your follicles, retrieve eggs, create mm -hmm. embryos. I mean, you're there all the time. So, and mm -hmm. it's so expensive. And so the idea of mm, going yes. to another appointment in another office can be so overwhelming that you're just like, okay, I'll just deal. I'll just deal with this moment right now. And I'll mm -hmm. figure out my mental mm -hmm. health piece later on. And the great thing with the smart mm -hmm. talk and with the online therapy piece is that they don't have to make that choice anymore. They can call me during mm -hmm. their lunch break. They can call me right after they went in for the retrieval. They can call me after the blood test. You know, it's, they have access mm -hmm. to a mental health professional that they otherwise would not have had access to. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Such a great yeah, service. I really love it. And I'm really glad that I can give back yeah. in a way that I wasn't given when I went through the process. Yeah, and it's, it's, you know, and it is true, and you sort of touched on this, that oftentimes we fall into our niche areas based on personal experience. And it just, it, you know, gives that added layer of context or perspective that we just don't otherwise have in terms of, of helping. And uh, definitely, I've heard that about uh, the appointments. And it's, it's interesting, too, because the level of knowledge that my clients come to me medical terminology, you know, specifics about many aspects of this process. For me as a, as a provider, a mental health provider, it, it was a bit intimidating at first. And I was just, yeah, I was, I was honest with my clients and said, look at, you know, way more about this process than I do. And I can't pretend to know all of the specifics and steps and stages but uh they're very uh easy going about that and and um but i guess my point is that attending all of these appointments dealing with the emotional ups and downs of am i pregnant could i be pregnant i'm pregnant and lost the pregnancy um it's there's a whirlwind of information and an abundance of knowledge swirling around in an already overwhelming experience that how do you slow that down and tease yeah. it apart enough to settle? Yeah. yeah. And, and in addition to all of that, like you said, it's a ton of medical jargon. So the, the, mm -hmm. the, the numerous acronyms you need to know, the kinds of medication that people need to inject or vaginal suppositories or all this stuff that you never knew you would ever have to do yeah. to your body, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. unbelievable yeah. what these doctors make you do in, so yeah. that you can actually yeah. have a kid, which is a miracle in itself. Yeah. So having gone right. through all of that, it just gives me that level of understanding. So when a client comes in and says, oh, I have my HSG yeah. or I have my HSG scheduled and I'm mm -hmm. really worried about it, I can tell them, listen, I went through this. I'll tell you exactly what it's mm -hmm. like. I'll tell you what you need to ask. I'll, mm -hmm. You know, it just makes them feel more mm -hmm. comforted and it makes them not feel as alone in this process. And normalize, normalize the experience for yes. them rather than, you know, being sort of that, I mean, when you're attending a lot of appointments, I'm sure that faces at the medical center are familiar to you, but you still probably feel yes. like a number 
and not a yeah very, very much, much so, so right in the high producing fertility centers in in the big cities it's it's mm-hmm. thousands of, of of patients who come in and out every day who are doing the same protocol so you do feel like a number um, so having mm-hmm. somebody who who makes you feel like a person and reminds you that you are a person and you have feelings and you have mm-hmm. goals and you have dreams is really important in that process and letdowns and sadness and emotions to process yeah. and so yes. many yeah because other you're aspects kind of stuck in in two worlds you're stuck in the world of i need to have hope that this is going to work because that's what's going to motivate you you to take each of these individual steps that are very grueling but at the same time you have mm-hmm. to also live in this other world where you need to contain your expectations and you need to understand mm-hmm. that the first attempt will most likely not work um and you need mm-hmm. to understand that it might not work at all. And there's this mm-hmm. constant struggle between those two worlds that you need to kind of balance. Yeah. And that can be really difficult. Yeah. I bet. You were talking about shame and how isolating infertility is, and people will often internalize, keep it to themselves. How important is support in family members or friends? overall for for people struggling with infertility important i think it's important to have a support system and to pick the right support system um so it's a it's Mm -hmm. a two-step process Uh, and it's all about quality not quantity so figuring out really Mm -hmm. who are the people who could really support me in this in this process for us we got really lucky both sets of parents my husband's parents and my parents were involved in our infertility from the start. As soon as we found out, we reached out to them and they've been very supportive mm-hmm. throughout the years that it took to get pregnant. Um, so really figuring out who you can trust and who will support you is really important. And then reaching out to those people. And then the funny thing is that the more you reach out, the more you hear other people's stories. So after yeah. we got we after we had a successful implantation and then after the first trimester, uh, we started talking about our infertility process journey to other friends, to friends and to, you know, more extended family. And all of a sudden, the majority of our support system is opening up about infertility. So mm-hmm. I have maybe seven friends who have all had children now through infertility. Oh my goodness. My, the majority of my friendship circle are people who by chance had infertility and they were friends with me for years before this happened. So it's amazing how reaching out ourselves for support then allows others to also open up about the process. And makes it less isolating. For sure. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. It's not awesome to have to go through the process, but awesome that everyone can begin to decrease that that stigma and that isolation and begin to embrace one another for the experiences and normalize it for each other and share their ups and downs and feel like someone yes, understands of course a hundred percent yeah i agree yeah and so i guess the other thing too is the the reality is that in all that we're talking about without having mental health support it could be very difficult for someone, and I know it's unique for every circumstance and every person, but it could be very difficult for someone to move through the IVF process and potentially be successful at the end 
And I guess what I'm saying is, do you find that, and I, you know, maybe it's difficult for you to answer this question, and maybe it's based on some research that you've read, but do you find that people who have access mental health support that it is more successful for them in terms of IVF treatments, or is that an unfair question to even ask? I think it's, I think it's a really great question to ask. I have no answer to it. But, but okay. I think it's an amazing question. <laughs> I think that in general, the less stressed out the couple is during this process, the higher their chances are of success. So yeah. whether that is a support yeah. system that's in place, whether that is mental health, whether that is, you know, somebody taking a sabbatical from work so that they can focus on this process, whatever it takes to reduce the stress levels that the couple feels during this process will definitely increase the chances of it working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I notice um, that you, do you practice yoga or do you I teach yoga? It. It's part of my, it's part of my oh, self-care okay. routine. Yeah. Yeah. And so I uh, was curious about that as a self-care routine and I, I come to you with this based on my training, which is somatic, uh, somatic work. So, and recognizing the advantages and the many, many benefits of practicing yoga for our nervous system and helping to settle our nervous system. And I, I guess I wonder for, um, for you, if you're okay sharing, what is it that something like a yoga practice has helped you with over the years, whether it was with your infertility or just in, in doing the helping work that you do? Yoga is just an amazing, amazing self-care strategy for so many reasons. I mean, research shows mm-hmm. that it helps in reducing depression, reducing anxiety. It helps in reducing our stress response. We learn how to breathe. Um, and then it also helps with isolation and loneliness. Just being in a group setting mm-hmm. where you are all breathing at the same time, doing the same movements at the same time has shown that it creates a sense of community so and a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And I think in big cities like LA or Chicago where I have lived, sometimes even though you are surrounded by people, you can feel really lonely. And so doing the yoga mm-hmm meeting people within my community who do yoga really helps me feel more connected with where I live and who I am. So I do Mm -hmm. it like I'm doing it about two, three times a week now at a local yoga place. That's literally a block from where I live in the morning as a way Mm -hmm. to start my day. And it's an, it has an amazing impact on my sense of motivation and happiness and, and drive that day. Mm -hmm. So I love it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that being the busy parent of twins who are not quite two yet, they, or are they two? Uh, they're, I think they're like two and a half. I think that okay. with twins, you stop counting at a certain <laughs> point. You're like, all right, you're two at something. I don't know. So they're in their twins. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, we just started potty training this weekend. So I did yoga this oh morning as a way to decompress yeah. from that disaster. Um, oh, it was a disaster. Well, I, mean, was it? I mean, it went pretty well. I, everything considerate. <laughs> I mean, I think it went pretty well. Yeah. But just you know, having to potty train two, two, um, two two-year-olds yeah. who have very little access to logic, but a lot of access to emotion, can be overwhelming. At yeah. Times. So. 
I remember when I had my first, I remember after the first one or two nights and mine are teenagers now. So they're quite a bit older. Um, I remember getting into bed going, oh, thank goodness. There's not two of them. <laughs> Linda, I remember seeing that. So I sympathize. I really, really yes, do. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. My, my only saving grace was uh, <laughs> that they're in daycare. So daycare has to take care of the potty training today. And the yoga. Ah, I was like, okay. I just have to make it to Monday. Yeah. And it'll be okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But do you agree that now we know this being mental health professionals, but for you to take that time out of your day, it, it makes you a better parent at the end of the oh, day, completely. doesn't it? Completely. I think, yeah. yeah. I think there's a big stigma related to, especially for mothers, unfortunately, related to always having mm -hmm. to be there for our kids 24 seven. And, and if we even mm -hmm. mention the idea of, I need an hour to myself, or like, I just need five minutes to myself, you're kind of perceived as not a good mom, or somebody who doesn't love her kids. Mm -hmm. When in reality, we love our children immensely. And we know that we are going to be the best parents we can be if we take care of ourselves first. So mm -hmm. the yoga really helps me with yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helps not just your physical body, but also your your mental your mental state too. And um, I I remember just a meaningless task like going to the grocery store. I got wiser as I got older and realized, okay, if I go to the grocery store in my immediate town, that'll probably take me from beginning to end maybe an hour. But if I drive half an hour to a different town then I'll be gone for two <laughs> hours. So <laughs> I was, I had to, it was almost like I had to get bossy about getting my time to myself uh, and pushing away the, um, just the sense of you need to be back quicker, whether that was perceived or that was the truth mm -hmm. at the time, or it was my own inner guilt around leaving my kids I, I realized the benefits of, you know, grabbing a tea, I'm a big tea drinker and taking that extra drive and going to a different grocery store. That was the other thing was walking around in a different grocery store, seeing different foods and placement of items, different faces. And, you know, it was my way of sort of, this is my time and I'm going to take it. But I was bossy about it in the sense that it was just grocery shopping, but it was, it was what I needed to do to get the time yeah, for myself. It's so, important. it's so important. And I'm so lucky that I have a husband who fully supports that. And so we, we take turns giving each other like nights out where we can go hang out with friends and stuff like that, just to really make sure we remain adults and we remain individual human beings mm -hmm. and we are not just defined as mother or father. Right. Yeah, because um, we don't want to lose and we wouldn't want to advocate for our clients and those listening any sense of losing your identity as yeah. who you are and becoming just sim not simply a mother because I don't want to downplay that role. That's not what I'm saying, but being um, just a mother and losing that sense of yourself because you're still a person, you're still an adult, you're still an individual who is happens to be a mother and when and if we take if we spend all our time only with and on our kids 
on raising our kids, we do lose a sense of our identity, don't we? We lose it completely. And then the the issue, especially with young children, as you know, is that uh, the logical and the reasoning part of their brain hasn't developed yet. So if you are, Mm -hmm. as an adult, a logical, reasonable human being who spends the majority of your time with a human being who is not, and who is very emotional, it can it can kind of mess with you and it can make you become more mm-hmm. emotional and a little more erratic and mm-hmm. unreasonable because that's what you're surrounded with all day. And so giving yourself right. those breaks where you're around other adults, where you are in calm settings, where you feel good as a person really helps you stay calm in those high stress situations at home as a mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just laughing over... Yeah. a joke and having that big belly laugh is so therapeutic isn't it it's so great yeah <laughs> yeah so we and we you know in isolating ourselves and and spending only time with our kids we lose not just that sense of who we are our identity but we risk also losing those connections those those friends and and well maybe not so much family but mostly mm-hmm. friend connections because people have moved on to other things or to other people or your interests have changed. But in maintaining those friendships, there's that whole concept of it takes a village to raise a child. And, you know, even though your children aren't present at your dinner out, it's still the village supporting you as an extension of that child. I agree. And I think part of also part of becoming a parent is that your own like shame level kind of decreases. So the first couple of Mm -hmm. months of being a mom, I wasn't really reaching out to my friends that much because I was a little embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God, you know, what if they come over and one of the babies just vomited on me or a day baby has Mm -hmm. a dirty diaper? You know, I can't be seen in that light. And now two years later, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't care what's going on with my kids. (laughs) My friends are still going to come over and and we're going to laugh about whatever happens. Yeah. So yeah. you learn to become more flexible and you learn to adjust oh, for sure. to your environment and you really learn mm-hmm. how to incorporate friends and what's important into your family system. Well, I think that comes back to something that you said earlier when we were talking about supports and picking the right supports. It's not the quantity, it's the quality of the supports and that's kind of what you were talking about wasn't it most definitely yeah the people who truly deeply cared for us and loved us have remained a part of our lives no matter what kind of stressors we feel in their faces whether it be uh, the Mm -hmm. twins being born whether it be us moving whether it be I don't know my husband being on call and having to leave dinner early whatever it was the people who truly Mm -hmm. cared and who truly valued our relationship stayed And I think that's Mm -hmm. a really important thing to recognize and to understand that you don't have Mm -hmm. to go chasing after the people who don't. Yes, you don't have to go after, you don't have to go chasing after the people who don't stay. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And recognizing that even just as we speak about this and as maybe as someone's listening, recognizing those, those times where maybe you have done that in the past and, we're telling you that you don't have to do that. And in fact, it's it's no. not healthy um, because you're chasing, something's been triggered in you around having to have that person or those people in your life. But it truly, 
if they're not there to support you for you, then maybe it's just not the kind of friendship or the support that is really good for you yes. right now. And it's, and it's okay to let go yeah. of those friendships. Nothing bad will happen yeah. just because you let go of a couple of stragglers. Focus on the people who yeah. really matter and who really have shown you love mm-hmm. and support. Mm-hmm. And that enables your friendships to really go at a deeper level doesn't it because it's not all about that pursuit of something that someone's running away from and you're chasing you can rest in the significance of the connection in those relationships and it can then go to a deeper level and it's ultimately more satisfying and I think we all learn that as we age I think in our 20s when we're in college we're all about quantity and then, and then we graduate yeah. college and we're, in, we're left in a world where now we kind of have to figure things out for ourselves. And I think as we age and we go into our 30s and our 40s, we start to really focus more on quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we get a sense of how yeah. good it feels. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Linda, we're coming to the end of our time today. That went yes, really quick. Yes, I agree. I had a really great time. I'm so <laughs> glad we did this. Oh, my gosh. And I just want to give you a chance to uh, share with the listeners how people can get a hold of you. But before you do that, I want to let everyone know that your blog is really well done. And I really like the different topics and things that I see on there. So definitely check that out. But where can people get a hold of you if they're residing in Illinois or California and want to do some online work with you. Thanks for that compliment about the blog. I put a lot of work Mm -hmm. and effort into it, so I'm glad that it it shows. Um, So, yeah, so my Mm -hmm. website is www.smarttalktherapy.com. Everything Mm -hmm. you need to know about what I provide is on that website, and it's all been streamlined, so it's super easy to use. It's all kind of automated. If you have any questions, you can just let me know. Uh, my contact information is mm-hmm. on there. My email is linda at smarttalktherapy.com. And then you can also follow me on Insta. I have an Instagram account, which okay. is oh, uh, good. smart okay. underscore talk underscore therapy. I have over 11,000 followers on that. And I just post, oh my I post daily quotes that are inspirational. I post about blogs. Um, I post about different clinicians who might be interesting to follow. So that's a great way to follow me too. And then you can always DM me awesome. on Instagram too. Okay, perfect. I will make sure that all of those links are on the show notes for today's episode. And have a great day, Linda. It was Thank great you. chatting great with you. Chatting with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today. Please remember that information provided in this podcast is not therapy and is not a substitute for receiving help from a licensed or regulated healthcare professional. For more information on this episode and links discussed here today, please see the show notes. Please also visit my website, which includes more resources and social media links, as well as ways of getting in touch with me at julieclarktherapy.com.